Are you laughing now? All right, welcome to episode 18 of Embrace the Suck, the only official licensed, sanctioned, sleep-deprived podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on a heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live, this time from the shores of Lake Pagong, Seoul, on the hotly disputed China-India border, where the Chinese army has written out China in characters large enough to be seen by satellite, thus taking advantage of the old break room refrigerator rule of putting your name on something means that no one else can take it. Very clever. But much better than Chinese lake stenciling practices, joining me today is someone we've had the privilege of working with since 2016, a man closing in on two decades of coaching in the National Football League, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and Hawaiian Islands enthusiast, head coach Dan Quinn, DQ. How's it going? Bill, I'm doing good, man. It's uh, always good to, uh, to hang out with you and uh... – you know, yeah, I'm really pumped, man, to be on Glad to have you here. Good times. How are you? Uh, you staying sane during lockdown? Doing all right? Yeah, I've um, went through, like most everybody, the ebbs and flows of, uh, yeah, this will only be a little bit longer to, like, what the hell is going on to, uh, you know, kind of like hopefully uh, for us in, in football, seeing maybe some light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, with some, you know, aiming towards playing. And so that to me is always lights me up. But there's been a lot of things that have, you know, come across that is going to stay for good also. Oh, that's good. Yeah. They had any, uh, any, any updates on that? Anything, any light at the end of the tunnel? Well, the, um, the biggest step is training camp, you know, and so you can imagine the um, difficulty of, uh, you know, physical distancing. And so that's been the big hard part, not outside at practice, but like inside meeting rooms, locker rooms, you know, think of the, you know, a hundred people, how do we all get together and distance? And so, that part has been more challenging than most. The uh, we haven't met all of the rookies yet, and so that's been a challenging one in person. Uh, you've been you've gotten to know them as well online, but getting to see guys in person and uh, knowing their body language, where they're at, where they got, you know. So I think those I can are imagine. Things. Yeah, absolutely. But you're not down in Atlanta right now, are you? You're uh, where are you at? Yeah, we're in the islands, and uh, so um, it is good to be here. It's definitely um, a spot that uh, we've connected with for. A long time and been coming here forever so uh part of the summer uh, recharge is uh is heading out to the islands and uh read hang out kind of get ready to get rocking again you know, like a recharge and the batteries in the red it just definitely gets it back in three <laughs> good deals good deals yeah i think i think you've been out there pretty much every off season since since we've known you yeah yeah for a long time we've uh, come out and um we've been to oahu we've been to maui and so oahu's a spot and so um just cool, man, you know, whether it's paddle surfing or, you know, outrigger canoe riding or just hanging out and, uh, you know, kind of setting your intentions about what you want the season to be. And uh, during this time, I write a lot. Um, people back at the office get pissed. I may come back with three notebooks full of stuff, you know. <laughs> so like, oh, shit, he has too much time. But uh, it's been uh, always a spot for me to recharge, to think. And uh, I've been one of those guys I need sometimes to get away to get away. I'm not always good doing it at home. Oh, yeah, that workaholic vibe. Hey, while yeah. you're out there, uh, and, and I don't know how true this is or if this was just some you know weird conspiracy theory thing, but I had heard that at one time or there was like a legend of, 
of tiny people, not like just short people, but I mean like tiny people that lived on the islands somewhere. Have you heard or encountered? Obviously not, you know. Or under the islands, yeah. All of those uh, all come up. Uh, there's lots of uh, local legends for a lot of things. Really? Uh, which kind of makes it kind of fun too, you know. Yeah, I like that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, since, uh, since this lockdown thing has been going on, are you, are you find yourself doing anything special to stay sane? You know what? Um, I hadn't been involved in podcasts in a big way. Um, you know, they've been going on for a long time, and I hadn't really been captured into it. But that is one thing that I've enjoyed, um, whether it's getting up early and, you know, going for a walk for 60 minutes or 90 minutes just before the day gets going. Um, sometimes as a head coach, there's a lot of things that will come across your desk even when you schedule, you know, the day out. So having some time in the morning to think or just listen and say, man, that's, that's interesting. You find out. Um, there's a lot of topics and a lot of uh, things that, that you can grow from. And so just listening to those things in the mornings uh, early, you know, before everybody's up and rolling, uh, I enjoy it. And I'd say over three months, I got a chance to listen to a lot of different people in a lot of different areas. And there's always maybe one nugget that you pull and you say, man, I don't know when I'm going to use that, but I, it's in there. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I never really thought I would be much into podcasts. And then, and then you know, I guess I just find out like, yeah, you just start talking. And if somebody's listening, they don't have any choice. They just got to listen to you. It's great. So yeah. it's pretty good. And I might as well. <laughs> Came all this way. All right. Well, so for the less football aware among the listeners, could you give us kind of a layout of how exactly does one arrive at becoming an NFL coach? I'll say it's pretty simple, really, in that space, because it's um, the first role and probably the one I enjoy most is teacher, you know, yeah. because um, as first as an assistant coach, you know, your performance is, uh, you know, measured on, you know, how your unit is playing. And then as you kind of make your way up through the ranks, um, the leadership role changes and the performance um, of others, you know, is how you're going to be judged, not necessarily your own. So. I think finding that shift um, as a teacher among teachers. And so mm. my job is really, I'll know I do a good job when I'm doing a good job teaching the staff and that gets down to the players. And so that's probably the big shift between an assistant coach, you know, and becoming a head coach. But uh, more than anything, the role I enjoy most is teacher and like most good teachers, relationships, you know, are at the heart of that. And uh, listening, teaching, you know, finding, you know, good insight to how to utilize a certain player's gifts, uh -huh. sometimes standing in the gap, you know, uncle, brother, father, whatever, you know, kind of the, the player needs at that time, um, all those encompass teacher. And so I'd say, um, even if you weren't following football or, or sports, um, everybody you know, can connect with the teacher. Yeah, absolutely. What's a, I mean, and it seems like kind of one thing that somebody wouldn't, wouldn't realize, you know, until they're kind of standing next to you. And that was certainly the case for us that you don't see how many hats a guy in your spot has to wear. Yeah, I would say that's one part of um, becoming a head coach. There's no, uh, you know, program that's going to lead up to this. Say, this is what's going to happen, you know. So it's, um, you better have really good self-awareness, you know, to know where you're at, um, how you want to lead, things you want to get done, stay true to those because there's going to be a whole bunch of, uh, you know, things that come across your desk that uh, you really – didn't see. And so if you make sure you're aligned in how you want to do things. Um, you keep knocking those things down, you know, in the right way, but uh, no manual on it for sure. But I think <laughs> relationships up or damn sure are at the front of, you know, just um, have an insight about, you know, your own self-awareness and how you want to respond. Mm. 
What would you say is one thing that, that people just can't appreciate or you just can't realize until you step into those shoes as an NFL coach? Yeah, I would say probably the first one is like, you better understand like your life is out there for everyone else to judge. Mm. And so like, you better have like awareness, like, all right, you know, like not everybody's going to agree with your stuff. And even as a leader, you're not going to make 150 people happy all the time. Oh, yeah. so I would say, you know, stepping into some of those leaders' roles, um, the sooner that you know that, not every scenario is great for everybody, but making sure you're ready to own, you know, you know, in your case or in my case, the mission, this is what needs to get done, this is how we're going to go about it, explaining those roles, you know, to the people that are going to perform them, and then keep the feedback going, man, of, of you know, where we're at, what's going, what does winning look like right now? Mm. And uh, those are the things I would say, that come to mind first, you know, in this role, like uh, you better be ready to have, you know, being judged by everybody else and uh, in the external world, um, not the ones just inside your walls and then having a real vision for you know, how to utilize the strengths and talents of the crew that you're with. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, thinking about it for us as, as SEAL team guys, it's, definitely easier for us than for somebody in a high profile position like you where you know we go do something that people you know they, they don't like how it got done or they didn't like the decision to go do it that's that's totally off me nobody's watching me uh but for you guys you know somebody in your spot i've heard mixed reviews on like do you look at social media do you look at the reporters or do you completely shine it on or a little of both or what do you think yeah and i would say one of the things i've always um, respected um, from your side of things is knowing the expertise of the people that you're with this comms or medic or sniper or language or, you know, whatever the specific skills of the individual people are. And I think that's one of the things as a coach that you do, but as far as the communication piece, man, um, I certainly don't read everything because I want to make sure that I keep it true to the message we want is not formed by anybody else. But I do think it's important to um, stay connected to um, whether it's, you know, players' interests, uh, fan interests, so you know some of the, the things that people are discussing. So I'd say it's a small percentage, Bill, um, of staying connected, but um, it's an important one because the era that you and I grew up in where it was like, hey, you opened the, the paper or that, like, those are so long ago that <laughs> yeah. you're not – up on some certain things. Hey, did you see this post or did you see this something? It could have been not related to football. And so I think having even people in your circle um, looking for you, hey, you may want to know this. This could be coming around the, around the corner. That's helpful too. So I don't want to pretend I'm an expert in that space of the, the media side, but I do think it's important to be informed of the issues that are going on, even yeah, outside I don't think I don't think I've seen a newspaper since maybe the last time I saw a birdcage. So, I mean, <laughs> it's a hotel, right? Yeah, yeah. Just the USA Today. It's free. I still don't want it. You know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I got a phone right here. But uh, yeah, I mean, and that kind of brings up an interesting. Uh, I don't know. I guess a, a question that with so much information and so much coming at you, how do you decide on on what guys are the right guys for that fifty three man roster? Well, that probably goes back to you and selecting team members as well. And what specific roles, you know, would you see that person having on the team this year? I've always felt like in our instance, anyway, a team has a one year shelf life, you know, that, that group of that guys. 
and each year it changes some, you know, you work with the NBA teams, they're smaller because they're closer or maybe on your own field team, yeah, yeah. but in the NFL, with you know, 53 is rolling. So you start, you know, from the big picture to make sure you have um, not just the positions, but the roles for each player on that team that year. And I think that's a specific one that makes sure, okay, he's a, a third wide receiver I see him playing on these two special teams. So the more detail that you can get with a person's role, I think the better. And then it's our job as the coaches to help uh, articulate to the player what their role could be because quite often coming from college, they may not even know what role they could have in the NFL. Mm. And by studying them and looking at them, um, that alone, said, hey, man, I think you got a chance to have a great career, and this is the way we go down to it. But they have to be able to clearly understand that role, too. If it's just one-sided, it ain't going to come through. Ah, all right. Yeah, it's and it's it's always, you know, regular people like myself that, you know, I'm not neck deep in football every day. It's It's always kind of a question, like, how do you pick that guy? So – like the ten man practice squad, then would that be more like uh, the guys that maybe you're looking to plug in next year? Yeah, I'd say there's um, kind of two two parts to that as well. So you can pick a few that you're still in the developmental phase to say there's perhaps one thing that's limiting him from making that final push, and it may mm. just be playing experience in the system or. Uh, more repetitions, you know, to get into the space. And it may not take 12 months. It may take two months, you know, where we see, hey, and let's get, you know, another check-in back on this player's performance in one month. Is he ready to make that move now? Is he ready to take the jump up? And so others um, who are on that, you know, practice squad may be developmental and others may be they're just right on the cusp. You know, they're the next person in. And if an injury happens or you may have been deeper at one position than another, you put them onto the practice squad and then uh, unfortunately injuries happen and that person is ready to move up. You'd much prefer to bring someone up from the practice squad than somebody that was out on the street, not with the team, just because mm. they had more experience. This player has been with you in the culture and you're pushing his progress forward. So um, yeah, it's never ending. The, the team building is always, moving but I think mm -hmm. when we do add somebody on it's really important to onboard them in the right way so they have a real understanding of the vision of what the team's about and not only do I have a big role in that but also the assistant coaches but most importantly the other players mm -hmm. and then this is how it goes here this is the things that we need to do and peer-to-peer -peer leading um, in that space is really valuable. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it, it took a little while. It probably took a good year or two for me, at least seeing, uh, seeing just how much is involved, you know, because I think some people on the street will think uh, that, oh, he's, he's just a big dumb jock, that there is so much involved. So when you say a guy is just on the practice squad, he's not quite there yet. There's yeah, there's there's a lot to know. There's a whole lot to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been like he had been at a college in four years. They did something so different uh -huh. you know, than what we're doing, but it's there. It just, you know, he was in, uh, for instance, let's just say a player was in a no huddle offense where they didn't use any word. It was all just codes. He may not have the understanding of the concepts of what it needs and, um, or a quarterback with pocket presence, you know, like ability to read coverage and see things going down the field, but not be taken off and run. So like, that's not something that's, uh, you know, just 
in one week's time, okay, I think he's good. You know, like sometimes it takes more experience or he may come from a program that just um, maybe he was injured, you know, in college and getting the amount of playing time that he thought. And then all of a sudden he just he needed more time. And then all of a sudden you see these guys, their careers just take off. But there better be belief in them, you mm-hmm. know, from the, the people above, the coaches and the, you know, the front office to say, this dude has what it takes and we're going to invest in him. I think any person, not just player, when people behind him believe in him, saying, I think this guy's got something. I'm sure you can relate to that, that it, a guy's career can take off. I mean, like nobody has believed in me like this group has. I'm going to put out so I get it right for them too. Yeah, that's – and we saw that. Now, that was something we'd see in the SEAL teams. And it does take a little bit for uh... – you know, as a leader, I think to to get your to get it through your head that that brand new guy coming in isn't always going to be just a ding dong new guy. You know, yeah. like you, that guy's going to he'll go on a deployment or two, and the next time you see him, you know, you better not sleep on him. He knows what he's doing. You know, and the guy's yeah. he's quick, he's solid, he knows where he's going, and and, and now you're the slow guy because you're getting old. You know, <laughs> I think those are the, the the moments that a player can relate to, but you have to get to nail some opportunities when they come around too as a player, you know, in front of your peers to create environments where there's good competition to say like, that dude can play. And yeah. other players start saying that back to me or someone else say, I think this young guy here, he's got something where he can help us. Then you know, you know, he's gonna make great strides. Yeah, and I think it's in it at that level, you know, trying to stand out at that level. And it blew my mind the first time I was ever around an, L- an NFL team we uh what I gave a talk in uh in Miami and it 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 was like it, it made me feel like I had done something wrong my entire life like why am I so small compared to all these giant people you know it's like the biggest strongest fastest people from everywhere and they're all here you know yeah just hanging out like where did you come from yeah so it's yeah. Uh, you know no one getting to know what makes each of the guys tick, you know, there's not one thing for everybody. Um, and then there's this long array for a guy who's played 10, 11 years to one year, uh, you know, so imagine the experience of just like in your teams that, you know, this guy's got so much experience and not yet, but he's going to get there based on will and effort and toughness. Um, so it's that person who's been around, give them some insight, give them some feedback, um, and let them grow. Yeah. Nice. Well, before we dive into the topic that we had lined out for the week, I would be remiss if I didn't get a quick beard update. And seeing as I'm not alone in my chin whiskered endeavors. So for the listeners, uh, you know, I've been giving you the beard update, but DQ is here with with quite a piece of work. So a beard update from DQ. When did you start growing that thing? I would say it's uh, about two months ago, and I'm probably um, another two months away from the role that I'm going to play in an Irish rebellion from 1800s, you know, not quite, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm making progress on it. It's either that or uh, another two months, uh, Santa Claus at the local mall. You know, oh, that, yeah, if, if nothing else works out, right? Just, just tell me what you want. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what, what, uh, what look are you gonna, you're going for then? Are you going to stretch this thing out or just for the lockdown or what? I'm going to uh, stretch it out till training camp for sure. And, yeah. Uh, so I got, I, I got another month in me at least. And uh, we'll make some judgments after that and get some, full time to assess it. Have you uh, set aside any kind of mustache wax or anything like that? So you can No, I'm, I'm definitely open for um, all feedback on that space <laughs> right now. I've got uh, zero grooming uh, technique going into it. 
Oh, me neither. I just kind of throw things at it and see what, see what works out. You know? All right. So uh, for the topic this week, we wanted to talk about mindset and uh, we definitely got the right guy here for that. So we know that, that competing at a high level, achieving at a high level, this always comes from the neck up. And I mean, this was one of the things that I always told guys day one of, uh, of SQT of SEAL qualification training was excellent operating happens from the neck up. It doesn't matter how strong you are, what kind of equipment you have. If you're weak between the ears, it's not going to go anywhere. So we kind of wanted to get your, your thoughts on your mental approach to competing. Yeah. And I think the, the part that you had said, the mental toughness, um, that for sure is going to factor into it because there's a number of things in my opinion that contribute to the mental toughness. I think you'd probably be the, one of the world's experts on this, like you're, Visual, your physical conditioning can also contribute to your mental toughness. Like the more fit you are when the moments are coming, because in our world there's going to be these bursts of six or eight seconds, hard as hell, tough as hell to go, and you have to do it again and again and again. So having the ability to go finish those moments as a player, that play, that drive, that series, um, and the fitter you are, the mentally, more mentally tough opportunities you have. So I think that's one, only one small piece of it. The second one um, from the mental toughness part to me comes from, I think everybody always has a little fear, you know, going into things. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to let somebody down. Those, those thoughts can, they can overcome some people because they don't want to look bad and they don't want to mess up. And so they can get tight. And so I think, I think having ways to recognize that and to, and almost to own those, to know that, yeah, this, the phrase you would say, this is going to sting some, like bring it on. And so knowing those moments to like embrace them, to me, that is where like, that's at the heart of mental toughness because you're aware of it. You're aware it's going to hurt. And now you're into the space of bringing it on. The best part of mental toughness usually comes from me when you're really prepared because now the day of the game or the competition, whatever it was, can't wait for this thing to start like you put the work in you're ready and so kind of finding that sweet spot between the two of the little bit of fear like I don't want to let anybody down to the man I'm ready for this horn to blow I'm ready for this you know ball to kick off because I think that's when you're in the best spot mentally because you put the work in and now you're ready to let it rip yeah I think that's a that's that's a big step realizing that that it might hurt for you a little bit, but it's going to hurt for that other guy just as much. And whichever of us can deal with this better is, is going to come out on top. And yeah, you have to own that ass-kicking mentality, you know. Yeah. And say, that's who I am. That's what I do. And I think the stronger you feel that way as a warrior, um, it just – it's going to carry over, you know. Like, in the more moments you put yourself into, into those spaces, mm. it helps. I don't think the uh, – the nervousness of a pregame that ever goes away, or in your case, probably a mission, those butterflies and the anxious for it. But there's also um, the knowledge that you are ready to get rolling. And that feels good too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how long did it take you to get used to, uh, to not just managing your own mindset, but now you've got to think for a whole gaggle of players and coaches and keeping everybody yep. on the ball. I think um, that's probably the biggest adjustment when you go from, leading yourself and your performance, you know, like and that's certainly early on in most everybody's career. You're, you should be so focused on what you're doing and you keep nailing your moments and you get rewarded for some bigger opportunities. And then it kind of shifts to say, 
you're evaluated on other people's performances collectively. Yeah. And that is the big shift to say, you want to make sure all of your attention is timed to make sure the message is really clear on how you want to operate with everyone else. And so when you're able to clearly articulate that to everybody, and give them feedback on it, I think that's when I know I've performed at my best. You know, if there's a hundred players or 90 players and another you know, 15 to 20 coaches, those hundred people, they want feedback. And so you can't give them all at one time, but you put it in the memory bank and you make sure you're going to give feedback, you know, to as many people as you can that you saw. And uh, I think a player, they don't like that feeling. I don't know where I stand. You know, I would hate mm. for a player to say, I don't know where I stand with the Falcons. You know, yeah. I don't know where I stand. I'd want to make sure if a guy felt like that, I'm going to him right away. These are the things I think they're doing well. Unfortunately for us, we get in season one week, every week, you know, we get a chance to measure where you're at mm-hmm. and we grade that performance and the next one and the next one. And then after a couple, put them together and say, here's where I think you're at collectively in this time. During the off season, it gets a little trickier, but you're able to dial in on one specific thing. So this off season, we said, all right, what's the one thing, you know, that you need to get better at, that you want to get better at, and let's relentlessly go after it. And it may take four weeks, four months, we don't know, but like we're going to go after that one thing to improve your performance really hard. And uh, that's been a good model for us off the field when you don't have the competition on the field. I can imagine there's probably some guys that are there saying, hey, it's my off time. I want to enjoy my off time. Leave me be. But, but when they succeed, then, then they're getting the accolades. And, of course, you know, if things don't go well, that's only one guy gets in trouble when things go wrong, and that's the boss. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, yeah, I think you have to find the balance of those and just staying connected um, through the process with them. Hey, give me some feedback. Where are you at on your one thing? Generally, if it's about their improvement, um, more often they're down with it because this is something specifically that can help me play better. And so if they're not willing to do that, then there's probably a whole other conversation, you know, that you need to have. Yeah. And that's something we've noticed at this level is that, that at this level, that, that amateur night, I don't really want to work so hard. Like the, the, the guys that are still here, the guys that show up at this level, these are put out guys. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's, it is the truth, yeah. And so the people that don't generally don't stay that long. Mm. And um, it's like, hey, man, it's, it's all right. It's just not for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you but the people that do, um, when you're looking around and you're watching other people, um, those are the ones that you say, man, that, that dude has, you can feel his intent. You can feel where he's at. And what was different about this particular offseason I think the players had to also take on the role of coach I had told them for a while you're gonna have to be a player coach because we're not together in person every day and I think there's a lot of benefit to that they've grown closer they've had to give feedback more to one another where they weren't just waiting on the coaches that look good watch your step move back do this differently but given feedback player to player I think the teams that have probably done that best the off season, that'll carry over into the season. And so I certainly think that'll be the case um, with Algie. 
Yeah, I know you guys You guys started early and went hot and heavy. Like, you know, we're, we're going to play at some point, so let's just get at it. So, I mean, I know the NFL is not – I mean, you know, you, you look at the TV and it's a monster, but in reality it's not that big of a community. So compared to, to what you see or hear from other guys around the league, how do you feel you guys are, are, are locked in pretty steady, solid program, or is there other people that you're borrowing some ideas from or, or what? One of the, the fun parts for us was um, online was the ability to gain information from like the brotherhood of the NFL. So this year we had uh, 35 different people speak either to a position group mm-hmm. or to a staff, you know, to share some ideas. Could have been other coaches from other sports, could have been Hall of Fame players at their position. Mm-hmm. And so like it was one of the coolest things, kind of like, uh, who would you invite to a dinner party question like we did it and so the defensive line met with three hall of fame players the offensive oh, nice. line you know the running backs and so they weren't just old falcon players but just historical great nfl players man tell me about the process what'd you go through to look at and so like tony gonzalez the you know hall of fame tight end he you know was on for 90 minutes with the tight ends you know just four of them oh, <laughs> and wow. you know you wouldn't have known his second year in the league he led the league in drops really you know so like this long 16-year career and he went back through the process of what he did pre-practice every day the amount of catches that he had and the you know the process that was for him led you know to this greatness so all those moments bill they were really cool because it wasn't player to coach it was like brother to brother Mm. For the coaching side, it was good for me to have people from other sports, whether it's um, Spo from Miami or Lawrence Frank from the Clippers or, you know, just people with different perspective, what they're dealing with, you know, on or off the court or off the field. Um, it was a big help for us. Fantastic. Now, it's kind of interesting because it reminds me of something. I, I try to think of some of these things, you know, in, in opposite terms and sort of clarify a little bit. And, uh, you know, when I, when I hear you talking about getting some of these ideas from other people, it reminds me of, of a long time ago in, in, the, in the teams, hazing used to be a really big thing. And, and I don't know if it goes on or to what degree. I know it, you know, it did go on in the NFL a little bit. But there was a, this thing where in, in the teams where if you were a new guy, you would catch a real beating. And they had to put a stop to it because what ended up happening was uh, like each guy would take the worst thing that happened to him and do it to the next new guy. And then out of all those worst things, that new guy would take the worst thing that happened to him and do it to the next new guy. So four or five new guys down the line, you know, you've got just the worst of the worst of the worst things being done to people. And and they had to say, all right, that's enough. People are getting hurt. But now, you know, if we take that same approach to, to like what you're talking about, to, to building a team, to bringing guys up, to taking the best ideas from generations before. I mean, I think this is, this is something that we shirk on almost, you know, we, we don't, we don't do it. Yeah. And we totally should have because the, um, the engagement for the player, you know, the guy who's done playing, it was his way to pay it forward to the next group. And so it was one of the coolest moments, just listening and hearing insight about practice and planning like, it didn't have much to do with scheme, but the intensity of the conversations were so real that um, I went so far this year to make a book of all the presentations that I gave out to the staff 
just before break because I didn't want just this offseason to be just another experience. I wanted them to have something to go back and look at years from now to say, man, this is what this person spoke on, this person spoke on. And even a DB who was speaking on something, the offensive line coach didn't hear it, but I wanted him to and to hear the feedback. So it was really cool to hear um, all the different topics. Well, that's great. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else comes out of this this lockdown thing, I mean, it sounds like that's a definite tool for the bag that you can look to in the future. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, and the players were so engaged by it because um, these were people they watched growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, man, I'm, not, I'm getting a chance to talk to this player, so that's a really cool thing. That's great. So for the masses, when people say, I want the same caliber of success in my life that you've had in yours, what can you offer as, as kind of a general recommendation for everyday life? Well, I'd say number one, I think um, just having the self-awareness, you know, of where mm-hmm. it starts because you have to have the vision of what, you know, you want things to go on. I think our own self-determination, what do you want to get done? And then having a process and a plan to go through that. If you would try to live my life, it's not going to be as fulfilled because only you know you like you need to. And so right. Um, I think having the awareness of what you want to get done and then having, you know, following your instincts and the process to do that because you are in my life, they're different and our wants of what we want to get done is different. And so don't try to be into somebody else's shoes. I think that's a big thing. And like, assume the, you know, like what you want. I think when people are authentic to themselves, it is way more likely to, you know, to happen because you're ready to get it on because you have such a clear vision of what you want to do. So, Finding that isn't always easy, man, especially when you're like 18 and 19 and 20, you know, just kind of getting started. But for me, I think what the one of the things I love about my job is like the learning never stops. I think this off season, I probably learned more than I had in any other year, maybe in the last you know four or five years. And so being open to new learning and to new ideas and using technology in different ways and that was fun. Like it was uh, more learning than I've had in, in years. And so, you know, you wouldn't, that didn't always the case in every single year, but when it happens, man, you better like, this is my opportunity. I'm going for it. Absolutely. That's solid talk, brother. Well, before we get out of here, where can people uh, find out the latest on the Falcons or get caught up with you? Well, I think uh, number one, just AtlantaFalcons.com. They do a good job of covering the team, you know? And so, for me, um, most of the, you know, messaging that, you know, comes through that site um, is about the team, you know, where they're at. Uh, more than anything else, um, I love talking about our team, you know, and the things that I think, you know, are going to happen in 20 and beyond. So um, just keep up on that space and uh, they'll do a good job of keeping you informed. But uh, you can tune in every Sunday about one o'clock and uh, you'll know about uh, where we're at and the things that are going down. So uh, always good hanging out with you, brother. Good seeing you, brother. Appreciate you being here today. Yeah, all right. Well, next soon. Yes, indeed. That's about all we have for today. So if you'd like to see what we're up to at APG, you can check out our website at www.apg.team, where you can also sign up for our Tuesday Tip of the Week, which comes out every, hmm, yes, Tuesday. If you've got questions, thoughts, comments, or concerns, or you've got an idea for a topic you'd like to hear us cover, you can send us a quick email at info at apg.team. And if you like what we're putting out, do feel free to subscribe to this channel so you can get our latest in a timely fashion. Share these ideas with your friends because as we all know, the world needs hitters. So as the sun sets slowly in the east, we'll leave you with the words of one of my favorite thinkers, Marcus Aurelius, who admonishes, 
If unwilling to get up in the morning, say to thyself, I rise to do the work of a man.